So with that, um, I would love for you to give a big hand to uh, Pastor Steve and Miss Sharon Holder, uh, the president of our Fellowship Network, and he is from Goldsboro, North Carolina. Did I say the name of the town right? Yes. And so Goldsboro, North Carolina. Give him a hand, and Pastor Steve, come up and share. thing about the south is I, I brought you guys some warmer weather, okay? We got here on Wednesday and it warmed right up, right? And uh, it need to be a little bit, maybe a little bit more uh, detailed on the, on the south. You, you know, I could be, I know my accent gives it away, but I could be from south Chicago, right? Uh, I could be from southern California, right? Uh, no. <laughs> oh, praise. I could be from uh, southern Salem, but... Uh, I am from the good old South, the Bible Belt, and uh, it's a joy to have my wife with us on this journey, this trip. Uh, this coming September, we will have been married 35 years, so, and I'll ask her to stand and let you meet her. And my wife, Sharon, we have three boys, and uh, two of those are married, and one is dating heavily. <laughs> 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 so we see uh, uh, probably in our future a third. We didn't have any girls, so we're just loving these daughter-in-laws, you know. And uh, But we have seven grandkids, and uh, so they're so much fun. I, you know, we could have just skipped the boys and went right straight to the grandkids, you know. <laughs> but uh, they're, they're a, lot of, a lot of fun. We're enjoying it. It's a pleasure to be with your great pastors, Anthony and Susan Trask. You have an incredible team here, your staff. Every, yeah, give them a hand. They are fantastic. I have, I have watched them work these last three days, and it's just been incredible to see how uh, they are about loving God and loving people. And uh, that's what it's all about. And uh, praise God for uh, you guys. And we just celebrate you. Fantastic job on, on hosting the conference. Just incredible. And just can't say enough about the hospitality that we've received here, and uh, it's been great. And now we're going to uh, leave tonight after the service, and we're going to head over to uh, Pullman, Washington, and spend some time over there ministering and uh, with the staff at Living Faith Fellowship. So we're just having a great time. I want to talk to you today for just a few minutes. Uh, you know, we're living in very, very, very challenging times, difficult times, um, not only, you know, with the, certainly the, uh, you know, the COVID situation, um, but in, in our culture uh, overall. Um, it's, these are challenging times. The issues that we face in, in standing our ground with biblical absolutes that we know are there that uh, honor God and, and uh, that God knows best. And, and that's why he has uh, these, uh, you know, his principles. And uh, so uh, we're, you know, dealing with that in our churches today in how do we love people through these difficulties, through uh, maybe teachings that are contrary to the Word of God, lifestyles that are contrary to the Word of God. And uh, so we're, we're up against a, a challenging time, not that it's anything new. This has been going on ever since the church began. If you don't believe that, go back and read Corinthians. Read what was going on in Rome. Read, you know, there, th these kind of events, these kind of issues uh, are not new to, the, to today. But um, 
it, it's been going on. So I, I want to talk to you for a few minutes about being the church. Okay? What is it, how, being the church? Uh, we've got to be the church in these difficult times. We've got to represent Christ. We've got to represent Jesus. So how do we do it? Um, years ago, uh, my mom and dad were pastors and um, founded churches, and they pastored 11 churches, I think, in their ministry time. And uh, the last church they pastored, they pastored for 30 years. And uh, just incredible, incredible couple. The, Anthony's mom and dad knew my mom and dad well. And uh, they've gone on to heaven. They've gone on to be with the Lord. But my mom and dad got a message one day that a cousin had died. And uh, most of our family is from western North Carolina, up in the foothills of the Blue Ridge, some of the most beautiful country there. And, and uh, a little place called Mount Airy, North Carolina. Anybody ever heard of Mount Airy, North Carolina? Anybody? Nobody? Anybody ever heard of Mayberry on Andy Griffith's show? Anybody ever heard of Mayberry? Well, Mayberry is where Mount Airy is. That's, that's the same. When you go to Mount Airy, you're going to see the, the, uh, the old car they drove. You're going to see all of the things with Andy Griffith. So we live about three, three and a half hours from that uh, city in, in eastern North Carolina. So my mom and dad get this uh, message that the cousin had died, and so they drove that three, three and a half hours to Mount Airy to attend the funeral, and they were walking down the aisle to view the body, and while they were standing over the casket, they got into an argument, my mom and dad. Now, they, they, lo they, they loved each other, but, but they would have arguments. Now, I know everybody's marriage in here probably has never had one of those. <laughs> I know there's never been any conflict in your home. No one's there ever. But they're arguing there at the, over, the, over the casket. And my dad looked at my mom and said, this is not our cousin. <laughs> and mom said, my dad's name was, first name was Corbett. So my mom said, yes, it is Corbett. He's just been sick and lost weight. <laughs> and so they argued back and forth. But when it was all said and done... That was not the person they thought it was. <laughs> and when they turned around to take a seat, the cousin they thought was dead was walking down the aisle. <laughs> so mom and dad did what any good funeral attender would do. They sat down and participated in the entire funeral, went to the gathering with the family, had food and fellowship and, and uh, made the best of their three-hour journey to attend a funeral of somebody they didn't even know. <laughs> you know, honestly, have you ever missed the message before? Have you ever overlooked the main point or maybe just didn't research it enough or didn't think about it or didn't find out exactly what you were hearing or where you were, we just kind of missed the message, you know. And for my mom and dad, it just resulted in a misunderstanding. But when it comes to Jesus, the consequences are much more significant. When it comes to being the church, it's much more significant. I, I really believe that we cannot be the church without what I want to talk to you about today. 
You know, Jesus came to earth with a specific message. His teachings, his miracles, his reactions to people, his death, his resurrection, everything about the message and ministry of Jesus all communicated one main point. And it's far too easy to miss it sometimes. And if we're not careful in the culture in which we live today, with so much controversy in, in, in how we live our lives, this can happen to the church. This can happen to the best of us and probably has. Uh, no doubt every good-hearted, good-intentioned, spiritual-minded person can overlook the message. We might have a version of the message, but sometimes we miss the main theme. The problem is, if we miss His message long enough, we'll end up somewhere God never intended us to be. And we won't like the outcome. We won't like the results. I find many people are spiritually confused and worn out. As I travel across the United States and, and, and before COVID around the world, I, I found that a lot of people were just uh, kind of worn out. Not because Christianity is hard or not because God is some kind of killjoy or tyrant, but because they missed what Jesus came to say. Some people think that Jesus came to make us talk better. Some people think that Jesus came to make us act better, be better. Therefore, following Jesus is about just behavior. It's about a behavioral modification. It's about behavioral change. It becomes about fixing ourselves and those around us. I don't want to miss what Jesus came to say. How many of you don't want to miss what Jesus came to say? I don't want to miss what he came to say. And I'm sure you don't want to either. So what is his message? Whom is it for? The answer might surprise you. And hopefully it will impact your life forever to be the church. Let's look at a story in the book of Matthew for just a moment. Matthew chapter 9, if you have your Bibles or your smartphones or your dumb phones or whatever you device you use and put the Bible on, and then we make it real simple. We put it on off the, we read it off the wall. We're the off the wall church. The out of the box church, Amen. Let's look at it in Matthew chapter 9. And Jesus was walking along. He saw a man named Matthew sitting at his tax collector's booth. Follow me and be my disciple, Jesus said to him. So Matthew got up and he followed him. Uh, later Matthew invited Jesus and his disciples to his house to connect. There's your connection, Pastor Anthony. He invited him to his house as dinner guest, along with many tax collectors and other disreputable sinners. Underline that one. Circle that one. But when the Pharisees saw this, they asked his disciples, Why does your teacher eat with, eat with such scum? 
When Jesus heard this, he said, healthy people don't need a doctor. Sick people do. Then he added, now go and learn the meaning of the scripture. I want you to show mercy, not offer sacrifices, for I have come to call not those who think they are righteous, but those who know they are sinners. Before he met Jesus, Matthew was um, quite... A character. Matthew was a tax collector. Now, most of us, we don't even think twice about reading this scripture. Uh, and, and we don't blush. We don't gasp. We, we don't cringe. Uh, when we hear that Matthew was a tax collector, we kind of kind of casual about it. But if we would have been in that day, Matthew would have been considered the worst of the worst. You don't get any worse than Matthew. He was originally named Levi. His Jewish name was Levi. But he wanted to identify because he had uh, become a traitor of Israel. He had completely um, divorced his Jewish heritage and had connected and aligned himself with the culture of Rome. And Rome was as cruel as you could get. Rome would would raid your home, kill your children, and rape your wives. That was Rome. And take your property. They were cruel. And Matthew, being a Jew, had become a Benedict Arnold so to speak, a traitor to his own land, a traitor to his own country, he would have been what we would have looked at and called a mafia boss or a gangster or an extortioner. He was like all three of the Godfather movies in one person. He was the trinity of the Godfather movies, was Matthew. I mean, Rome was in charge and they would kill, they would rape. Matthew, who originally was Levi now, has turned his back on Israel. He's become a traitor. He betrayed his people for a paycheck. He was a bully, a thief of his own people. All of these characteristics of fraud and and being a crooked uh, businessman or whatever you want to call him, Matthew fit the, the category of the worst of the worst. And he didn't care. That was the main thing. Anybody seen the, the show The Chosen? Anybody watch The Chosen? Yeah? Yeah. yeah. I, I really I like that show. Um, my wife and I have been w- watching some of the series. And, and one of the first or second episodes, uh, it, it reveals Matthew. And... and it's almost like a taxi is going to bring Matthew into town. But the taxi driver was so ashamed that he had Matthew as his rider in his taxi that he puts him in the back of the wagon and covers Matthew with a sheet. That's how ashamed he is to ride into town with Matthew. He was so disdained by the people. He was so... Uh, ostracized by the people. Matthew was, he, he was notorious, which means widely but unfavorably known. 
So instead of being Levi the Jew, he chose a new identity. Matthew the tax collector. Matthew the traitor. Matthew the extortionist. By working for Rome, Matthew had turned his back on his Jewish heritage. Now, let me ask you a question. Does that sound like a good person to you? Does that sound like a person that you want your kids to, to be mentored by? Is, are you going to sign up for his Boy Scout troop? <laughs> Amen? I don't think so. I think we'd have a hard time with that. Is that someone you're excited about going to church with? Is that someone you would trust with anything of value? No. Wow. That's why it's startling. It's amazing. It's, it's astounding that Jesus, the Son of God, made friends with someone like Matthew. Jesus just didn't talk about sinners. He talked to sinners. He talked to him. He loved him. He called him. He changed him. He made them, he made Matthew part of his story. It's unbelievable. Matthew was a textbook sinner. A prime example of people the Messiah would one day come to judge. He's going to get what's coming to him. I wouldn't, I wouldn't have anything to do with him. He's a crook. He's a backstabber. He's a traitor. Matthew was all of those things. And yet, Jesus called him. We look at it so casually, but when you stop to consider who this man was, the implications are staggering. Just look at the reaction, even back then. Look, look at the reaction in Scripture we just read a few moments ago. Why does your teacher, why does your rabbi eat with such scum? Wow. You know, we often get pushback from religious people. I hear things like, oh, everybody knows he's on drugs. I hear things like, everybody knows he's addicted to porn. I hear things like, she's on her third marriage. It'll never work. I hear things like, uh, he's in a gang. And I hear things like, she, just, she hangs out at clubs. You hear all these things coming at people that uh, label them and identify them. That was Matthew. But Jesus did this. We, 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 we do this oftentimes. We, we can't be the church without this message. We often try to correct people before we connect people. Jesus didn't do that. No, we see a man who time and time again went out of his way to, pre, to be a friend to people who were ostracized and labeled and rejected. I know one thing. He came to me, he found me, and I was a partier, I was living it up in a lifestyle, completely opposing the word of God, but Jesus came to me, and he'll come to you, amen? Many of those that were the ostracized and the labeled and rejected by society are who Jesus put on his team. Many of those became world-famous leaders in the church. This is why Jesus was given a nickname. Anybody in here have a nickname? Who has a nickname? Anybody got a nickname? 
What's your nickname, buddy? You want to tell it? Uh, okay, I don't, sometimes you don't want to tell what your nicknames are. I had all kinds of nicknames coming up in school. I played football, so one of my nicknames was Stump. You know, I am vertically challenged, Pastor Anthony. One of my nicknames was Cake. I love cake. <laughs> I mean to tell you. It has to be sugar-free now or low sugar, but because I ate so much cake, I now have to do the low sugar style cake. One of my nicknames was The Rev. My dad was a preacher, and so they called me The Rev. One of my nicknames was Holder Boulder. I had a lot of them. But Jesus had a nickname. Anybody else want to tell us what your nickname was? <laughs> Jesus had a nickname, and here's what it was, Friend of Sinners. That's what they called him, Friend of Sinners, Friend of Scum. Wow. The pattern of Jesus is relationship first. Then comes change. Wow. See, anybody like to fish? I enjoy fishing. My wife loves to fish. She's a better fisher. To, she's a better fisher person. Can't say fisherman. She, we're going to say fisher person. She's a better fisher person than I am. She catches more fish than I do. Bigger ones, too. But you know what? As many fish as she's caught, well, she does have a weakness in her fishing qualities. I have to take the fish off the hook. <laughs> she hadn't overcome that one yet. There's something about that squirmy feeling, I, I don't, slimy feeling of a fish that she hasn't overcome yet. But there's one thing I have to say. We've never cleaned one before we caught them. Yes. And we, we need to realize Jesus had a relationship before there was change in Matthew. He went, to, he went to his house and sat down and had dinner with him before he was changed. Before he was revolutionized. Before he was redeemed. Jesus sat down. The pattern of Jesus is relationship first. Then comes change. He changes us from the inside out. Jesus cares more about relationships than he does our own perfection. He cares more about relationships than he does our own performance. So what is the message? What is the main point? What are you leading up to? What is the main event, the tagline, the whole enchilada? Drum roll, please. Drum roll, please. What it is. It's just really simple. It's grace. We can't be the church without grace. Come here, Adam. Bring, bring that coat. Bring that coat right there. Not my Bible and my phone, just that coat. Yeah, just that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Come, here, come here. Yeah. You two, come on. Right up here. Stand right here. Stand right here. And, and your friend's girlfriend's name? Cambria. Cam Cambria. There's a hotel chain named after you. Did you know that? 
<laughs> Did you know? They notified me. They're like, hey, we just like you. So, oh. <laughs> I, I, I use their parking lot all the time <laughs> whenever I'm flying out of Raleigh-Durham. Seriously, I park there. That's my favorite place to park is the Cambria Hotel. <laughs> Honestly. And I get to leave my car there the whole time I'm gone. And it's, yeah. $12, $18 to park at the airport. But I can park there for three ninety-five a day. Come on now. I got to save the fellowship money. <laughs> Hallelujah. Come here, Cambria. I want to use you just a second. Just, I want to take just a second. Come on up there. Don't be shy. Don't be bashful. All right. Okay. Adam, I'm not picking on you. Please, please know I'm not picking on you. But Adam and Eve messed up. Big time. Didn't they? Big time. I mean, we're still paying the consequences, right? Still to this very day. And fellowship was broken. And Adam and Eve are hiding behind fig trees, fig leaves. And where they had normally been fellowshipping with God in the garden and enjoying fellowship uninterrupted with, with God, when they disobeyed, when they dishonored God with their decisions, they went and hid themselves from the presence of God. In other words, Adam and Eve were running from God because of the mistake, the failure, the sin in their life. Now, Adam, y'all role-playing right now, Adam and Eve. You're role-playing right now. So this is Adam and Eve. And, and, and I, I'm just role-playing right now. I'm God. <laughs> no, no, no. Isn't that what we deserved? Didn't we deserve? Ooh. But Adam and Eve didn't come looking for God. They went looking for something to hide behind because of shame. I was afraid. I was naked. So I hid myself amongst the trees of the garden. The trees of the garden? The trees of the garden was what God had allowed them to eat. All those other trees. There was just one tree that they were not to eat from. And so they're hiding behind the very thing that God had allowed. To hide from God. I'm sorry, but sometimes we're... In religion, we're hiding behind the very thing that God allows. You, we can hide behind preaching. We can hide behind worship. We can, we can hide behind lots of things that, that are religious that God has allowed. But are we in fellowship with Him? So Adam and Eve didn't come looking for God, but God, stay right there, stay right there. You're, you're fine. You're, you're safe. You're safe with me. You're safe up here. But Adam and, and there are people watching at home. <laughs> Don't try this at home. But here comes God in the garden 
in the cool of the day, the Bible says, and he comes with skins, with a covering, and he covers them with... He covers them with skins. Well, you can't have skins unless there has been the shedding of blood. Grace. Grace. We didn't deserve it. We didn't earn it. It wasn't, it wasn't something that, that God owed us. He just said, I love you so much. I want fellowship with you. I want relationship with you. Yes, you sinned. But I'm going to cover you anyway. I'm going to give you the covering of my pointing to. This is before the earth was ever formed or made. Before the foundation of the world there was already a lamb slain. The scripture tells us that. The lamb was slain from the foundations of the earth. Jesus had already been provided. Blood had already been provided through the, through the perfection of the Son of God, Jesus Christ coming. So when, when God comes and wraps Adam and Eve with those skins, He's pointing to the coming of Jesus Christ who would shed His blood once and for all so that you and I could be forgiven and we could have relationship back with God. Amen. Thank you, guys. Y'all. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Cambria. Why? Because of grace. Grace. Religion looks for outward signs that we're qualified to follow God, but Jesus shatters the paradigm time and time again. He doesn't wait for us to clean ourselves up or even renounce our lifestyles. He finds us where we are, hiding behind the things that have separated us from God. He comes and He finds us and He he, he embraces us because He's a God of grace. Why is this holy man of God hanging out with heathens? Why is he eating with scum? Because of grace. It's very difficult for religious people to be friends of sinners because religion seeks to control, to impress, and to conform. But right here would be a good time for all of us to examine ourselves and find the Pharisee within us. See, we've we've got the church... In order for us to be the church, we've got to find the Pharisee within us and remove it. We've got to allow God to remove it. We've got to allow the Holy Spirit to remove it. And realize that we've been called to reach the lost. The assignment has not changed. The Great Commission has not changed. This is not a, a, a club just for righteous people. He came to call sinners to righteousness. Jesus never went to the party to let the party in him, but he did go to the party to win the partier. And he's sitting in the house at the party of Matthew, and guess what he does? He wins the partier. He changes the partier. The message of Jesus is grace. Grace, we're held to the standard of grace. 
not perfection. Grace is undeserved, it's unmerited, it's unearned. And grace means that all of my mistakes now serve a purpose instead of serving shame. Adam and Eve were in shame and guilt until God in His grace wrapped them in those skins that day and they realized that it was not going to serve in shame anymore. Their, their mistake would serve a purpose. It would, it would enable us to see that we can overcome by the blood of the Lamb. God came to Adam and Eve with grace. Was there consequences? <laughs> Absolutely. In the day that you eat thereof, you shall surely die. Have you know we died spiritually? Are there consequences to our sin? Absolutely. Grace is not a license to sin. It's not a license for us to just live any way we want to live. But it empowers us to live the way God wants us to live. Grace is there to strengthen us. Grace is sufficient. My grace is sufficient, the Bible says. Grace is not opposed to effort. I want you to get this. Grace is not opposed to effort. It is only opposed to earning. We still give our effort. We still, we still apply ourselves. We still study to show ourselves approved. A workman that need not be ashamed, but that can rightly divide the word of truth. We still give ourselves to God in effort. Faith without works is dead. I'll show you my faith by what I do. So it's not opposed to effort, but it is opposed to earning. Amen. We can't. <laughs> Praise God. Thank the Lord for His grace. Grace changes everything. Oh, my Lord. What was it whenever the prodigal father saw the prodigal son walking down that dusty road that day when he came to himself and said, I'll go back to my father's house. The, the prodigal father was not standing there with a whip in his hand or a stick in his hand. No, he had a robe in his hand. Why? Because it was grace. Grace. There was grace for, for those who had failed and made mistakes. There's grace for you and there's grace for me. Paul said it this way, I am what I am by the grace of God. And somebody praise the Lord for His grace today. Amen. Thank God for His grace today. Grace. All right, if I sing an old song. Grace, grace, God's grace, grace that will pardon and cleanse within. Grace, grace, God's grace. Grace that is greater than all our sin.
me be thank God for that grace that is greater than my sin. The message is that no matter who you are, the message is no matter how badly you've messed up, the message is no matter from Matthew to demon-possessed Mary Magdalene to the thief on the cross, it's grace that is greater than our sin. Praise God for the grace of God, the unmerited favor that is extended to us from the Garden of Eden all the way to the cross of Calvary to today, 2,000 years later, we are still living underneath the dispensation of God's grace. We're still living in the moment and the time in which you and I can access a relationship with God through the blood that was shed on Calvary. We still can operate in a right relationship with Him through the, the sacrifice of Jesus on, the, on Calvary. You and I, we have this privilege and the privilege and the message is still the same today. It's by His grace that we are saved through faith. Thank God today for the grace of God. Grace is that I get what I don't deserve. And mercy is I'm not getting what I should have gotten. Amen. In order for us to accomplish this great commission as the church... We've got to be the church of grace. If we're going to help people through their difficulties. Now we're not going to compromise. We're not going to compromise the absolutes. The biblical absolutes of God's word. If, if, if we're, not going to, we're, not, we're not going to change God. God's going to change us. Through his grace. Through his mercy. Thank God that Jesus went to eat dinner with Matthew. And he wants to eat dinner with you and me. Amen. He wants to fellowship with us right now. I want to give you this, this little anachronism right quick and I'm through. Grace is a gift. It's a gift. Simply, plainly. There's no other way to describe it. It's a gift. Grace is where we recover. Recovery is a process, but grace is where we recover. Grace is not absent of accountability, though. That's where some people get it wrong. They, you're judging me. You're, no, 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 no. We can't judge. God judges. But we're accountable to one another and we're accountable to Him. And you need accountability partners in, in our lives. People that, that will help us to stay true to uh, our, our God's word and God's principles. There's accountability with grace. That's where the greasy grace and the messy grace kind of gets off course. Because it's absent of accountability. I, I, I want to be held accountable. Amen. And then compassion. Compassion gift, the gift of grace. And then finally, grace provides us with eternal life. Amen. Praise God. In order for us to be the church, people who need redemption, recovery, restoration, will have to know that we are who we say we are, and that is that we are people of grace.
Amen. Let's be the church. Praise God. Let's be the church. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Would you stand with me today? Amen. Could you just bring the house lights up a little bit and bow your heads with me for just a moment? You're here today and you say, Pastor Anthony, Pastor Steve. I need God's grace in my life. You said it just a moment ago, Pastor. You said, by grace are you saved. I need to be saved. I need for my sins to be forgiven. I'm ready to surrender my life to Christ and receive the grace of God for me personally. God's a gracious God and I want to serve Him. And I want to surrender my life to Him today. And here's what the Bible says. It says, if we confess with our mouth and we believe in our heart that Jesus died and He rose again, that He's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins. So while your heads are bowed and you're just contemplating right now your relationship with God, where it's at, you say, Pastor, I need to repent. I need to get my life right with God like the prodigal. I've come to myself today. And I'm ready to receive His grace. If that's you today, I want you to pray this prayer with me right now. If that's you, if that fits you, I want you to pray. Say, Jesus, I believe in you. I believe in your message, the message of grace. And I ask you to forgive me of my sin. I believe that you died for me on Calvary. I believe that you rose from the dead and you conquered sin for me. Now cover me with your blood. Forgive me of my sin. I accept you as the Lord of my life and I'm going to follow you like Matthew. I'm going to eat with you. I'm going to fellowship with you. Come on, pray it. Jesus, we're going to have a relationship. You're going to walk with me and you're going to teach me and help me and I'm going to grow in my faith. I'm going to be connected to His body here at the church and I'm going to serve Him. Come on, pray it right now. Jesus, I'm going to serve You with the days of my life. From this day forward, I am saved. I am a child of God and I have been born again and washed in the blood of the Lamb. Pray that right now in Jesus' name. Amen. With your head still bowed, you say, Pastor Steve, I just prayed that prayer with you today. I made Jesus the Lord of my life. Would you slip up your hand? Would you let me see it? Would you do it? Would you hold it up right now? And say, I just prayed that prayer with you today. God bless you, young man. Anyone else? Just raise that hand up right now. I just prayed that prayer with you, Pastor. I just surrendered my heart and my life to Jesus. Praise God. You know what the Bible says? The Bible says there's a party in heaven right now, Pastor. There's a party in heaven. Why? Because you gave your life to Jesus. The Bible says the angels rejoice when one lost sinner comes to Jesus. It sets off a party in heaven. We just set off a party in heaven. Amen. Because a young man just gave his life to Jesus and surrendered his life to Christ today. Now, everyone look at me. Look at me for just a moment. Now, get plugged in. 
get connected. There's groups here to help you grow. There's discipleship. There's pastors. I saw a tin tub out here behind the church. I believe that there's some water to baptize you in. It's when it gets a little warmer, maybe. But amen. But uh, get involved in this church and walk with Him every day. Are you perfect? No. Are you going to be perfect? No. But God's not interested in your perfection. He's interested in a relationship with you. Amen. He'll perfect you. He'll perfect you. He'll make you like Him. Praise God. Thank y'all for letting me preach to you today. If you need prayer, I'll be here to pray with you. Pastor Anthony, we'll be here to minister to you. Can we shout grace to this mountain right now? Can y'all shout grace? Come on. Grace. Grace. Shout grace to your mountain. Shout grace over this city. Shout grace over this state. Let's shout grace over this nation. Amen. We need to be the church. And the only way we can be the church is to be the church of grace. Amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. Give Jesus a shout of praise. And give it up for your pastor, Pastor Anthony, as he comes. Let's sing this in response now.